0: Katie Herzog. How's it going?
1: Good, Jesse. I uh, have to tell you a little story. I love stories. Okay, so I know this is going to be unbelievable, but I went to a party last weekend.
0: What? Is this part of Um, you joined that class where you learn like adult social skills or is this independent of that?
1: No, I was kidnapped and I was taken on a boat, oh, nice. blindfolded, taken on a boat and uh, and forced to go to a party at one of my wife's friend's house. And so this party... Sort of imagine like typical sort of right outside Seattle, like suburban Seattle family party. So like you, you can imagine that, right? Like mostly white people, like a scattering of, of Asians. Yeah,
0: like poly, polysexual, pansexual kids, kids of every uh, gender. Yeah, I can yeah it. Seattle.
1: A lot, of, a lot of kids. Like you can't tell who, like what gender, if any of them, all of the kids mm-hmm. go by. They, them. Yeah. Oh, a
0: lot of grooming too. A lot of grooming from the LGBT Tons community. of grooming. Yeah.
1: Tons. Okay, so the this party it was like the theme was Summerfest and it, it was like a, a mu- it was like a show, like actual bands played. So it was a lot of like family bands, neighborhood bands, amateur bands. There was a ten year old doing stand up which I almost like left because it seemed like it would be so cringe that I don't didn't know if I could handle it. But it was actually pretty good. The kid told some funny jokes about uh, bananas with some like sexual innuendo that I don't know that the kid realized existed. Okay, but at the end, the headliner was a reggae band that the host had hired, and they were like genuine, actual, genuine Jamaicans. You know, nice. like they well, were real life Jamaicans. Real life Jamaicans, and I know they were real because not just because they had heavy. Jamaican accents and dreadlocks, but I was talking to the host, and he told me that when he was trying to uh, coordinate with them for like what time they were going to arrive, he asked he like via text he asked the lead singer like what time are you guys going to show up, and the guy wrote back he said we'll come correct. <laughs> okay, so this band is playing last band of the evening, and at that point, tons of kids and all it was like all kids dancing in the front. And then, like of course, like one ob- obligatory adult dancing with the children, but l- like twenty children. So it was basically a kids show at that point. And they're pl- And th- the band itself was very interesting because the f- the two like front people were Jamaican, and then the rest of the band was like a diverse group of white guys. Which I know sounds odd, but like there was an old white guy a who Polish, like, a Ukrainian, like, yeah. Like there was a guy who looked kind of like Neil Young playing bass, and then there was a guy who, yeah, who looked like he was like a polka dancer playing drums or whatever. At the, the keyboard, he looked like a banker. Anyway, uh, so they're playing this, this music, and at this point, it's literally a kids' show, all kids singing, or like all kids dancing in front of, right in front of the stage. And then at one point, the lead singer, like in the middle of the song, he stops the song, stops the band, and he looks at the kids and he said, You don't know AIDS. You don't know syphilis. What? You don't know gonorrhea. And then his his accent was pretty heavy. So I think he goes into a diatribe about how climate change isn't real. What? <laughs> totally amazing. Oh my! So God. amazing. Yes. I might leave the house more if, if this is what the world is like. I had no idea.
0: That is what happens whenever you leave the house. You just get. Apparently. Well, I guess like kids these days don't have to deal with AIDS, but they have to deal with something much worse, which is online harassment.
1: They have the internet. They have TikTok bullies. Yeah.
0: Um, my big news is that I am fleeing this hellhole of a country and I'm we're gonna be a uh what what's the word? Transcontinental podcast. We're gonna be trans. Yes. For about a we're month. We're
1: trans. We're gonna be yeah, we're gonna be a trans podcast.
0: I will be recording from uh briefly from London. Then I'm spending some time in Berlin and uh yeah, I just feel much more I always feel superior to you. hmm I'm not sure why you would. But there's just something different about being like, Katie, I'm in Europe. How are you? Are you still not in Europe? Is that are you still? I stuck live on in an island, Jesse.
1: <laughs> and not the island of Brooklyn or wherever you live. I have my own personal private island surrounded by an army of jet skis protecting it. You cannot possibly feel superior to me.
0: The other thing is I, I love uh You've started making fun of me for mention. I do love Berlin. I lived there briefly. I like being there. There's like so much I just can't take advantage of because I'm you.
1: Okay, when you say live there briefly, do you mean do you mean you were there for a week and a half? Like, what do you mean by that?
0: No, I lived there for nine months in 2014 mm. for a fellowship.
1: Okay, I don't know if you can say. Li- I think I think that's like saying like, I did study abroad. Say, uh, okay, fine. Okay, I, so I did study abroad. So does that mean that I lived in England? You didn't.
0: Oh, you did study abroad in England.
1: Yeah, where'd you live? I went to the, I went to the I lived in a small town called Chester. It was the only the only place that where I could go that like spoke English. <laughs> it was, Australia was too expensive.
0: That's funny. I just can't. It's so, I don't know. I'm still stuck up on this idea of you like becoming more and more of a hermit, especially once you have moose who have, meets yeah. all your needs. You have no reason to leave the house. Uh, yeah. Did you like studying abroad? It's been
1: a slow process to agoraphobia. I liked certain things about it. I was really young. This was like right after 9-11. So I was there during the period when uh, the big news story was anthrax. And um, and do you remember there was – in the D.C. area, there were, there were those sniper attacks?
0: Yeah, dude. That was crazy. So
1: it was a strange time to be – an american outside of america but also in some ways a good time because it seemed like america was falling apart i did like that i could i was like i was young i was like 19 or 20 i did like that i could drink that was mostly what
0: i did there that's pretty exciting well i guess i should i feel like when i tell people i lived in berlin i quickly say nine months but yeah that's probably on the border of when it's obnoxious to claim to have lived somewhere anyway fun times going to berlin we get it, Jesse. You're going to Berlin. Katie, what is the name of this increasingly transcontinental podcast? This is Blocked and Reported, and I'm Katie Herzog. And ich bin mein Name ist Jesse It's going to be so bad. I'm, Do you actually speak German? I did a fellowship where over the summer, they those of us who entered the program not speaking German, they gave us like intensive language training, but in Berlin... Or at least the parts of Berlin I fre- frequented. So many people spoke so much English that I couldn't even order right. a coffee and get a response in German. They would just hear my accent and be like, uh, "Okay, small no. small <laughs> coffee. Do you want to milk with that? What's your deal, man? Why are you here?" The other the only the only other thing I was going to say is that I'm I, I really love being there, especially in the summer. There's so much I don't take advantage of because I'm too lame. Like if I were into sex clubs. Apparently, you could just spend the summer or Raves or Bergheim, this crazy club they have here. My only um priority I just want to drink beer and wander around, and it's great for that, but I'm gonna be missing out a lot. Is so-
1: it humid in 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 Germany in the summer?
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought you were just like making a really lame conversation like is it humid in New York? As no well you are asking it's very no, that's one of the things is that it is so much more pleasant there. It yeah. just does not get that hot. yeah, um, so very nice place to be uh okay. Katie, today we're going to talk about a guy. This is a guy. He's a fellow journalist. A few weeks ago, he posted a very crazy story to our subreddit. Uh, I looked into it, and it is sort of the perfect Barpod story. It has to do with labor issues, race, identity, gender, immigration, people getting fired, the whole thing.
1: Are there goats or horses or dogs involved in this story? Mm, well, maybe not. not. So it's not yeah. the
0: perfect Barpod episode. Yeah. Um, so we're going to just spend the whole episode talking about this story. The guy who posted it, and our main character, is named Jad Slayman. Until recently, he was a public radio reporter. He had a... That's a very public radio name. Why Slayman? Oh, like Slayman? Jad. No, Jad. Jad. You say the- Jad Avanron. <laughs> How realize. many... There can't be that many Jads, and it's just funny that two of them are in public radio. Are there any <laughs> other Jads I don't know about?
1: I don't... Not that I know of. It, it would be like the perfect public radio name if it was... If it was hyphenated, though, like Jad, Jad Slayman
0: Smith and Fine or something like that. Jad <laughs> Seligman Livingston. Yeah, that's more public radio. So yeah, he was a public radio reporter until recently, and he had a a fairly unusual background for someone in that space, which I, I'm not stereotyping here. I feel like it tends toward more privileged white people, does it not?
1: Yeah, I think you could, you could say that, for sure, but... I Public radio is actually fairly diverse, depending on where you are. Like, I worked at a station in Charlotte that was not particularly diverse. Uh, if you go to the headquarters in D.C. or you go to WNYC, there is, a f- there is lots of racial diversity. But, yes, I think it is fair to say that people do come from a certain background. It tends to be, you know, you're not going to see too many, like, first-generation college students. You're not going to see too many kids who went to community college or grew up in a trailer park in public radio.
0: Yeah. So Slayman was born in Detroit, and he grew up in West Virginia, the son of Lebanese immigrants. He served in the military as a combat correspondent from 2008 to 2012, quote, mostly hopping around Africa, and quote, as he put in an email.
1: I'll just read a little What is a cor- a combat correspondent?
0: Yeah, I mean, they're basically journalists who serve in the armed forces producing stuff for the armed forces. So propaganda, probably not entirely independent. <laughs> Yes. I'll just read a bit from the bio he sent me from what he did after that. Quote, I went to Temple University on the VA bill to get my journalism BA, went to Rebel Syria, I think the week of graduation. Filed a video report from near Aleppo, then got hired by Stars and Stripes to report from Afghanistan, which also became Iraq after ISIS came on the scene, and a bit in Ukraine. Got a master's at CUNY after, also GI Bill, worked for AFP in Cyprus for like six months, but it sucked and I don't speak French. Came back to New York, worked as an EMT for a while. So at this point, he has some meetings with podcast houses because he wants to get into podcasting. Uh, This uh, radio Person, Macon Scott, host of a show called The Pulse, uh, finds out about him and recruits him to work for her show, The Pulse. And he moves down to Philly uh, to work for this health and science show produced by WHYY, which is uh, Philadelphia's big NPR and PBS affiliate. They're like one of of the bigger public radio stations, right?
1: Yeah, that's where Fresh Air is produced out of.
0: So that job started in 2018. Uh, Jad Slayman moves to Philly also started doing stand-up around this time he does stand-up around philly he's uh by now he's been doing stand-up for about five years he told me that he'd been into piano-based musical comedy for a while but he began uh-huh. doing stand-up in pre- <laughs> you initially find him to be less sympathetic What if his, say he it. just turned out to be a great guy <laughs> but he's like carrot top basically. <laughs> maintain your journalistic independence katie i'm getting
1: um, weird l vibes
0: Okay, well, now I'll make you more simple. I'm going to make you feel like an asshole with the next thing I'm going to say. Okay. He began doing stand-up in particular because he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2021.
1: God damn it, Jesse.
0: (laughs) It's like, how relatable is someone? (laughs) Musical comedy, but he has multiple sclerosis. (laughs) It's a wash. But he's (laughs) fake it. Quote, this is from the email. Quote, with MS, nothing is certain, neurologically speaking. Stand-up was just something I could do even if my hands go fine motor degrades. Uh... So yeah, he he's facing this scary diagnosis. It's it's controllable with meds, but it's not a good thing to have. It can get a lot worse. So, like many stand-up comics, he's posting his stuff to Instagram to spread awareness of his act, try to go viral, and all that. He comes from like a pretty interesting place because of his background, and and I I don't know. The sense I got was that he f- finds himself sort of rebelling a bit from both left-wing and right-wing wackiness. He's a guy from a from a. Um, you know, Lebanese parents, one Catholic, one Muslim, traveled around the world, been in the Middle East. Um, but he's also worked in lefty spaces. And he told me he didn't always see the world the way his WHYY colleagues did. At one point early in his tenure, you'll remember the that uh, Trump gets elected and it's very important we do journalism differently, right? We need to be sure. honest with the people about how bad he is.
1: Right. They, they don't know unless we tell them
0: directly. The people are morons, Katie. This has yes. been our motto all along. Mm-hmm. Um There's a full he he tells me there was a full newsroom meeting to discuss whether the station should refer to Trump as being racist from uh, referencing his tweet where he called on the squad to go back where they came from. This apparently elicited a full newsroom meeting. Uh, Jad Slayman disagreed with this he quote I was the only one like no we can just report what he says like if an audience member disagrees we're not going to magically change his mind he's just going to write us off as biased people can decide for themselves what is racist xenophobic whatever the entire room meaning his colleagues mostly white people at the time turned to shout me down at once <laughs> it felt weirdly intense like I'm pretty sure I was the only one in the room who has ever actually been told to go back where I came come from which born in Detroit dude so no no uh, <laughs> So, you know, the, the, this is, he's an interesting guy. Lots of different backgrounds, lots of inter- intersectionality, if you will. Um, and his act is pretty spicy. It includes a fair amount of profanity, explicit sex talk, and so on. Let's play a few clips just so you guys can get a sense of his style. Here's one about him having grown up Catholic and Muslim.
2: grown up Muslim Catholic? Uh, I had to go to mass on Fridays. Friday is also the day that Muslims go to mosque. So my ass, dude, I would go to mass... I'd do the standing, the kneeling, the dick sucking, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have like a little break, do a Capri Sun, and then I'd go to fuck the mosque, dude. I was like a double agent for the Lord, dude. Like, I don't know. what's he working for? Probably the Jews. <laughs> the way my parents would do it was fucked up. They'd drop me off at mass, and they'd be like, listen, all that shit they're going to talk in there about Jesus and the ghosts or whatever, it's fake. Honestly, it's fucking dumb. But what we're going to do later at mosque with the carpets and the moaning noises. <laughs> that stuff is real. That's what God wants. He wants like a, a slow hokey pokey. <laughs> Five times a day. You put the Allah in, you take the Akbar out. You fill the shitty in, hide it in the bus.
0: Uh, here's one about war
2: There's a bunch of wars y'all I'm from the Middle East That's where a lot of them are uh, made I'm a veteran and I used to be a war correspondent And the thing I learned about war Is that it's not that scary If your side Is the side with all the white people It's cause white people come with like fighter jets And shit dude They're honestly they're pretty sick I'm tired of everyone shitting on them dude White people don't got seasoning in their food. Okay, they do got attack helicopters. (laughs) Pretty fucking spicy, dude. All I'm saying, y'all, war is life and death. Having all the white people on your side is critical. You gotta respect and recognize white power. I mean, I could have said that a hundred better ways. (laughs) this this is why ukraine versus russia was so scary dude it's because both sides were the side with all the white people
0: and here's one about the jews
2: people say trump hates muslims so do my parents Uh, if you're not the same exact dumbass type of muslim as they are you might as well be jewish which people say like uh people say muslims hate jews it's more accurate to say, we're very afraid of them. <laughs> They've been kicking our ass for like seven years. <laughs> we gotta rethink that term homophobia, dude. Homophobia means you hate gay people. It doesn't mean homosexuals have defeated you in a dozen wars. <laughs> the Jews, they finally stood up after centuries of persecution in Europe and somehow we got the ass <laughs> the hell, Jews? We weren't there, dude. <laughs> we cut our dicks off same as y'all. <laughs>
0: so yeah, I find his stuff pretty funny. Um, then again, I guess I would. I'm I'm also a bigot. Self-hating. Um, self-hating, self-hating Jew. So. Four-plus years, he's worked at The Pulse. He's managing his multiple sclerosis with his work-provided health insurance, which he says is getting the job done. It's paying for meds, which would otherwise cost $10,000 a month, Jesus, granting him access to a UPenn doctor who also studied multiple sclerosis, and he's doing stand-up on the side. But then on January 23rd of this year, he's called into an unexpected meeting with his boss, Macon, the union steward and a WHYY VP. He's told he's fired, effective immediately. Why? What reason did they give him? He's told that his Instagram clips of his act uh, constitute egregious, Katie, egregious violations of the station's code of conduct and social media guidelines, uh, and that his violations were in direct conflict with WHYY's values of social responsibility. Okay, so
1: two questions. Uh, One, was there any warning? And two, what are their values of social responsibility?
0: There is no warning. Like, one minute he has a job he's happy with. The next minute he's out on his ass, basically. So that's sort of the crux of the whole issue. Like, what what the guidelines were, whether he violated them. He's claiming he didn't. Um, here's some of the relevant language. And th- this will be important for the... What would fo- what will follow? So first of all, WHYY had a collective bargaining agreement with with the union that Sliman was a member of. The CBA social media policy read in part: "Quote employees when using digital and or social media platforms for their personal use, including when expressing an opinion. Dot 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 will be clear that they are acting on their own behalf and not on behalf of WHYY. Dot dot dot." Even with that disclaimer, an employee's statements or images on personal social media may be harmful to the interest of WHYY. The nature of an employee's position, dot, 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 will determine the character and content of what an employee can or should put on their personal social media accounts, even those unrelated to their work. Generally, employees must take care that their postings cannot be interpreted as inflammatory, unethical, or illegal, since such posts may have an adverse effect on WHYY.
1: Okay, so was he identifiable as a W-H-Y-Y employed? Like, did he post videos that were like, hey, I, Jad Slayman of W-H-Y-Y, think that Jews have tiny skulls or something like that? Wish we do. Uh, no. It, you it, don't. It, <laughs> I have
0: a, if anything, the opposite. And I need to get that looked yeah. at. I wish we had better health insurance. Um, <laughs> no, it doesn't look like he did that. So Slayman would consistently argue otherwise. And I think the record backs him up. He... When he performed, he went by Jad S. He did not use his last name. He mentioned no meant, there was no mention of being a WHYY employee. His Instagram handle was Jad Slay, but he sort of did a play on words. J-A-D-S-L-A-Y. Jads, I guess like I'm right. slaying it or right. whatever. His last name was S-L-E-I-M-A-N. So that's not really linked to his real identity either.
1: Like it's not hard to figure out, but he's not explicitly using his government name. Uh,
0: my impression was that, it would actually be fairly hard to link him. That's hard to check now because now he's very linked to that because of a little bit of media coverage. Um, Okay, so there's that. That question, I, I don't think he ever represented himself as a WHYY employee, but it says even if you don't, you could still get in trouble. Here's another relevant part from the collective bargaining agreement. There's a provision saying that employees agree to remove posts from social media accounts if their bosses thought they could, quote, create legal or reputational risks. End quote. Okay, so he should get a warning, right? That suggests that, yes, him not getting a warning might turn out to be a problem because he was never told this could create legal or reputational risk. So how's he supposed to know his employee uh, employees don't like it? Uh On top of that, there's this other language from the Employee Handbook. It says, quote, if you post a comment about an issue totally unrelatable to your work, but the comments are interpreted as inflammatory, unethical, or even illegal, it may be uncovered that you are affiliated with with WHYY, uh, blah, blah, blah. The point is, like, even you're not totally out of the woods, even if you don't post under your name, even if it has nothing to do with your work, there might be some way for you to get in trouble. On top of all that, there's like this fairly boilerplate code of conduct language about how employees have to act humanely and not discriminate against others.
1: Okay. So this is this is standard. Uh, everybody who works for a, a public radio member station has to sign these codes of conduct. I had to do it when I worked at uh, WFAE in Charlotte. This is all very standard.
0: We don't have one though. Should we have one? That's why we're, <laughs> you're allowed to be so racist and anti-Semitic. I, I need to get that paperwork to you.
1: We should definitely not have one. Actually, we should maybe have one for you and for our employees, but... <laughs> I, I think I should be exempt from this. Um yeah, and and I'll say like in general, I don't really think employees should employers should have latitude over what people do outside of work. I do sort of take exception when it comes to public radio. Like here's an example. So there was a reporter for Marketplace, which is the the finance show. It's not an NPR show, but it's a, a I think American public media show. So it's in the public radio ecosystem and it's on a lot of Member stations. And they had a reporter named Lewis Wallace. And he, after Trump got elected, he wrote a post on Medium on his own Medium account, basically writing that journalists should stop being objective in the Trump era and should become activists. It is not enough to be Mission accomplished. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Right. He got fired for this. I thought that was correct. I thought that was the right the right move in that case. Even though this was in this case the employer uh, litigating his downtime, I still thought this was correct. I do think there's a difference between like your your Instagram that isn't tied to your uh, isn't tied to your work name and isn't making some political point. Uh, but yeah, everybody signs these. Everybody who works in the system signs these code of conducts. You have to to work there.
0: I, yeah, I will say, I mean, we're we're getting a little bit beyond the specific specifics of this case. I've seen numerous examples of journalists at major news sources tweeting stuff that just instantly renders them less trustworthy. And totally. I, there's this very weird, very entitled idea that any attempt to regulate what journalists say on Twitter is like, an, uh, it's sort of like a horseshoe thing. We're like, lefties will often accurately point out that righties cry free speech, when it doesn't apply, I think that's the same for like expecting journalists to not just tweet inane opinions all the time. I don't think that's really a free speech or a labor issue generally, because if you're doing it under your own name, you're just making yourself look like an idiot. There's so many people who they write in areas that are obscure to me, but when I see them tweet about stuff I do know about, I'm like, this person is a moron who couldn't reason their way out of a paper bag. Why should I trust their reporting on? Ukraine or the economy
1: yeah like they have a bad opinion on basketball and so you don't trust them
0: anymore yeah like they think that uh I won't even give an example because you get really sad when I bring up sports on the show um okay so the the Slayman thing's different not under his name it's comedy it's not really opinions about like stuff he covers but there's some vagueness to all this language the CBA to the employee handbook um and yeah, so that that so that's the complaint. That's why he's fired.
1: Okay, and who made the complaint? Was this like a coworker or just a member of the public, a listener? Of it was Did it you- was the
0: Central Park Karen actually. <laughs> it all ties <passed> together. <laughs> that that's why it's a bar pop story. No, she it, is it, racist. This appears to have been a total narc move. It appears one of his colleagues reported what? him for his offensive Instagram. What?
1: Know. Oh my god. I-
0: to be fair, Slayman said he wasn't 100% sure. He's trying to sort of read the tea leaves based on the vague stuff WHYY told him. But he believes uh, it was someone who works for the station but who isn't in his union, so not a reporter or a producer. He said in an email it could be an administrative, community engagement, finance person, uh, an executive, a manager – He says the way it happened is someone recognized his face from his reels on Instagram and made the connection as to who he was, uh, because he was regularly heard on the radio, but that's just his voice. He didn't think most people knew what he looked like. But whatever it was, uh, this really goes against that motto we came up when we launched the podcast, stop snitching.
1: Oh, fuck. I thought our motto was start snitching. To us.
0: Snitch to us. This would (laughs) snitch to us. Don't snitch if you have to snitch. (laughs) snitched us
1: okay so what happened after he got fired like did he just take it did he just leave pack his shit up and leave
0: yep that's the end of the episode <laughs> he's like fair enough uh no he fights it he files a grievance with the union that's still in progress he says the union's been helpful he hopes he will eventually be reinstated or get back pay or both but in the meantime he has to pay the bills uh and he has to pay for his meds so he files for unemployment. damn yeah he, he loses insurance yep um, he filed for unemployment immediately after he was fired. He started getting about five hundred dollars a week. Um, as for the meds, it, apparently he was able to figure out a way to get it uh, through the VA because he's a veteran. Mm, um, yeah, I gotta say, not not to be super social justice warrior, but maybe maybe non-veterans who get fired from their job should also have access to vital medication. You lived hard. <laughs> not, not to bring politics into this, but uh, look,
1: you have to go to war if you want MS medicine. It's only fair.
0: How about this? You're diagnosed with MS. You go to the doctor. You say, can I have meds? He gives you a Kalashnikov. Mm-hmm. He says, go fight this insurgency in North Africa for six months. Come back. I'll give you your meds. Your symptoms aren't that bad yet. You can do it. I think that's fair.
1: Hey, and free education and maybe a low-interest loan. <laughs> I'm down. Uh, I'm enrolling you right now. Enlisting, enrolling, enlisting.
0: So in April, he gets noticed that WHYY is contesting his unemployment claim on the grounds that he was fired for cause, for violating these rules, uh, and that he's un- ineligible for unemployment benefits.
1: Uh, well, that's pretty fucked. Um, is this one of those situations where he was problematic or difficult to work with or something like that, and they were just using this as a pretext?
0: Yeah, I mean, this could be one of these things where, like, if I, if I had access to the Philadelphia public radio scene, I'd know more. I didn't really get any indication that was the sense. This all seems to be top-down decisions made by execs to really go after this guy. Uh, there's always pos- It's always possible there's more to the story. I have no reason to think that's the case.
1: Okay, gotcha. But getting fired, this is a really big deal for him.
0: Yeah, it's a big deal. And then they're trying to take away his unemployment. Um as he explained to me, if he doesn't get this job back, he doesn't think he'll get hired in journalism again because of the nature of this. Totally. Like, his own employer basically called him racist. Okay,
1: here's what he needs to do. He needs to go to a college town that needs help diversifying, but also is like fine with a little bit of racism. Like, what about like New Haven?
0: I, dude, I don't know. There's some real radical types in New Haven. I think he would get run out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, anyway. So, but, but this is, this is. A big deal. I'm pretty messed up. They're trying to yank his his unemployment. Um, he, he finds out in April. He appeals a day later. Uh, in walks Philadelphia's Department of Labor and Industry Unemployment Compensation Board of Review. They're going to hold a hearing May 31st. Again, this is April, to determine whether uh, his unemployment benefits will be keep going at no point have they yet been cut off. He explained to me, it just has to do with how the appeals process works. But based on this hearing, he could be losing his five, his $500 a week that are really helping keep him afloat.
1: Well, and he would as presumably if he gets cut off, would he have to pay back the money that he'd already received?
0: It's, he sounded like that might've been a possibility. I think that just depends on stuff. We, we don't know the answer to. Um,
1: okay. I've had to to pay back unemployment before. That's a real bit. You
0: had a cut. What was, what happened?
1: Uh, I was overpaid for something. I can't
0: remember what it was. Um, so this this May 31st hearing is basically going to be an in-person hearing before a, a referee, a judge, who will determine whether WHYY is allowed to cut off uh, unemployment.
1: Okay, so how do they go about trying to prove that?
0: So basically, under Pennsylvania law, WHYY has to prove that uh, Jad Slayman was fired for, quote-unquote, willful misconduct. Um, it's not defined specifically in the law, but it's generally taken to mean, like, You done fucked up big time. Okay. Like really not giving a shit about your performance or acting in such a ridiculous way that you're sort of begging to get fired. Right. Been there. Absolutely. Multiple times, I would imagine.
1: Okay. Well, how do they try to prove that he's been fired for willful misconduct or whatever they call it?
0: Luckily, we have audio of the whole hearing. Katie, this is a wild ride in part because Slayman uh, was sort of forced to defend himself rather than through a lawyer for reasons we'll get to. Are you strapped in? Strapped on. (laughs) Strapped on. (laughs) But first, housekeeping. Katie, do housekeeping. All
1: right. We are a podcast.
0: <laughs> leave that You have to leave that in. We are a podcast.
1: We are a podcast. You can reach us at. <laughs> you, had one, you had
0: one job. <laughs>
1: you can reach us at blockedreportedpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also. Fuck, what, what are we doing this part?
0: <laughs> All right. I'll just do it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. You
1: literally, literally. Look, I'm in Germany. I have jet lag. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: It's just. We, we are... uh What are we? Are we a car company? <laughs> uh Go to BlockToReported.org. There you can get three extra episodes a month for just $5 a month and up, including our most recent one, which I think by the time we post this will have been about affirmative action. Indeed. Katie, give the people your thoughts on affirmative action. You have 30 seconds. They're going to have to pay for that. um You can also get our merch at barpodmerch.com. After we... We were really vulnerable with you guys last week. We said we said <laughs> I was against this. Katie said the merch isn't selling well.
1: No, I didn't. I said it's selling very well. We made twenty two dollars last month.
0: <laughs> Twenty-two dollars last month. Kate immediately, very nice people who I think we're gonna subsequently exploit sent us really good designs and ideas. Um, maybe too many to do. Maybe we should like put a vote to it on the among primos, like which merch we should Ooh. introduce.
1: That's a good idea. And uh, you have to pay to be able to vote. How about that? I like that kind of democracy.
0: You know what? One of the merch items we should sell should be a $50 booklet that allows you to vote in the merch election.
1: <laughs> this seems fair.
0: And if you get 5 other friends for $5 <laughs> each to jo- it's like a pyramid scheme basically. Um there were some good ideas. I, yeah, I think we're going to release new merch, but for now barpodmerch.com, the reddit is blocked and reported.reddit.com. Uh primos also get access to gatherings, including one Saturday night in London that I'm throwing. So, that's I'll be there. Event. No, you won't. Don't tell people that. Oh, I'm just <laughs> hire. Oh my god, I have such a good idea. Holy shit! Okay. So you know how the UK is mostly just like street urchins asking for soup. Yeah, that's all it is. You, they have the exact same body type as you. It's true. Way. Big. I hire a street urchin, put on a really bad wig, go to the party, and tell everyone it's Katie Hertzog.
1: I don't think it, and do a, a bad British accent too. I don't think anybody would know. Oh,
0: I'm Katie. We'll uh, we'll see if that works Uh, But yes, we we throw some listener events for primos That's another benefit of joining Anything else for housekeeping, Katie?
1: Uh, Did you mention the
0: primo? I hate you so much Um, Can we get back to the show? Let's do it Okay, so in the show notes You'll see links to two audio files that contain this whole hearing. Folks should listen to them. I, I got these from Jad Slayman while I was on the road, driving from Boston, New York. I just listened to them the whole way. Uh, it starts out with, like, some boring administrative stuff, but they're, they're a wild ride. Uh, the folks you'll hear most on the audio that follows are the judge, uh, Jad Slayman himself, representing himself. There's WHYY lawyer Thomas Servadidio, or they retained him, uh, I guess outside counsel, and WHYY's vice president of news and civic dialogue, Sarah Glover. Was so. this a
1: in-person hearing or was this on the phone or like
0: very so? much in person. Okay. So WHYY decides to just introduce some of the clips Slayman posted to Instagram as evidence. There's some debate over whether they can play the whole forty minute compilation um, they later do, but not on the on the audio. This is all boring. The point is, end of the day, they play these clips. And uh, the lawyer, the servidio guy who will generate us some amazing moments later on, warns everyone in the court. There's some offensive words to follow. Presumably some people faint. Uh, and then he hits play. And because the specifics of these clips matter a lot uh, and will be the subject of argument later on, we're just going to play all of them one by one. They're not too long. In the first, uh, Jad Slayman repeatedly uses a word that makes me very uncomfortable, but that you, Katie, use constantly, often in an abusive manner. Let me see if I can get this word out. Podcaster. (laughs) Patron. Pussy. Oh, I don't like it when you say that, actually.
1: I think that is a bad (laughs) word now.
2: Remember how at the start of my set, I was like, the hell? Was she born without a pussy? As I was writing that, I Googled, can you be born without a pussy? And... Obviously yes <laughs> Women can also be born without pussies it turns out. The treatment for it is like reconstructive surgery or the donor method. The donor method has been performed once It was a success and the donor was the girl's mom
3: <laughs>
2: Science should be illegal dude That's fucking... Okay, there, that means there's someone out there walking around with their mom's pussy <laughs> All right. Second off Y'all, this means that y'all know that pussy can be passed down the generations. <laughs> yeah, that pussy is a family heirloom. In fact, that pussy is the most family heirloom, and then it creates more family, dude. It, it works. All right, that girl got fucked in the pussy. Let me start that again. That girl got fucked in her mom's pussy and
1: had a kid, dude. All right, I'm, I'm getting shades of Tim Dillon here. This is kind of gross. <laughs> Like, he should have just said vagina and it would have been fine.
0: You did, you, yeah, but that's just because you're the recipient of a pussy. I don't like <laughs> to talk about it. No, I'm the recipient of a butt, not a pussy. <laughs> All right, in this one, he talks about a fun little trip he took to Iraq.
2: I was in Iraq because I was filming these uh, European volunteers that had gone there to fight ISIS. My first night in Iraq, they treated me to a night at a Chinese whorehouse, which. I mean, how thoughtful. (laughs) I saw such horrific things in there, I walked out of there like, maybe ISIS has a point. (laughs) You stray too far from Allah, dude, you end up getting a lap dance from a 50-year-old Chinese woman. I didn't ask for this lap dance. This is a whorehouse. It's a place that sells fucking. And, like, they had mozzarella sticks and shit. But mostly fucking. So, like, a lap dance, that's like waters for the table, you know, everyone bring him out. <laughs> the vibe in a Chinese in Interact is exactly the vibe in like a strip club which is if it's your first time there your boys want to get you a dance. I already had a dance so what my boys wanted to get me was a Chinese whore. And I'm not, I'm not calling her a sex worker for a reason, dude. It's because she's not like a bored NYU slut. This <laughs> is a sex trafficked person. I was like, I don't care if you guys pay for it. I'm not banging out a slave. I'm not half of the founding fathers.
0: <laughs> okay, so he's a feminist. Clearly a feminist. Okay, in this one, he's talking about sort of uh, differences in gender norms.
2: I feel like even, even, even woke people kind of hate Muslims, don't they? You know, refugees are welcome to start treating their women a little better.
4: <laughs>
2: it is true that like, women are treated better in the West for a while. After like 35, 40, it gets pretty brutal. Doesn't it? There's no retirement age for looking hot in the West. That's why you see American grandmas wearing makeup and shit. American women have to be as fuckable as possible until they're dead. Which I don't think is fair. Y'all, I want to start a rescue charity that helps women of a certain age move to Saudi Arabia.
0: There you go.
2: They're gonna be like, what? I don't gotta do Botox or dye my hair. I'm like, lady, you don't even gotta drive. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, uh, yeah, they prefer you do it.
0: Okay, so that's his view on that. Uh, here's him on stage playing a recording of his conversation with a company that advertised itself, like via flyers, as providing quote unquote Asian manpower. Who
2: wants to hear my phone call with the leading provider of Asian manpower? <laughs> What are you guys? <laughs>
4: uh, we are a stocking agency. So like, if I
2: wanted like five Chinese guys. <laughs> if, I, if I had a, an emergency, all right? Yeah, that
1: would be possible.
2: <laughs> now, is there a cost difference? I'm not going to say which one of these guys I expect to be more expensive. The Japanese. <laughs> and which one to be cheaper? Philippines. <laughs> but a Korean gentleman... <laughs> Versus a Laotian gentleman. Which one of I getting a better deal on? Which one is more affordable?
1: They're all the same price.
2: Never like as a joke, like sneaking a black dude. <laughs> <laughs> like like someone's like, listen, I need, I need 11 Chinese guys, but one of them is obviously just a black
1: guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Okay, so nothing here that you wouldn't hear being argued in front of the Supreme Court. <laughs>
0: Right. The only offensive part is they didn't rate them on personality. Like we bought <laughs> rating. <laughs> Uh, here's some more stuff about, uh, well, you'll see.
2: Anytime we sit in line in boot camp, your toes had to touch the heels of the boy in front of you. They called this standing nut to butt. If the nuts are touching the butts, where's the dicks go? Come on. I feel like they didn't think this one through, dude. Like when I was in the Marines, they still didn't let gay people in. It was called don't ask, don't tell. I feel like nut to butt is an excellent way to tell, dude. You learned some shit about yourself standing nut to butt, I'm, I'm straight as hell dude but I was getting half a pump off these boy butts It's like what if you was gay right And you have to hide it What would you do I was like what do gay dudes think about when they don't want to get a boner And I was like oh obviously vaginas dude Vaginas are so gross Straight dudes can think of vaginas and not get a boner dude I was eating this pussy Saturday And Hondo reached down and opened it up I was like yo chill What the hell <laughs> Yo, you got to get my consent before some free shit like
1: that. <laughs> okay, that one's hard to understand without whatever the visual of whatever he was doing on stage.
0: Yeah, but um, you know, but more more stuff on sex sexual orientation. Okay, just two more. Here's some more stuff about race. This one it's important to note that he himself Uses a um, anti-Muslim, or I guess anti-Arab slur. I think it's sort of sort of both. That'll matter later on during the tr- during the case.
2: I've decided I prefer a uh, raghead terrorist to person of color. Please respect my identity. <laughs> yes. I work at one of these places that's like so woke it's kind of racist. Mm-hmm. Like this lady asked my boss, she's like, "Yo, does Jad consider himself a person of color?" Uh, because she was making a list of us. <laughs> All right, I get to be out in this lady's brown dude Pokédex, tell you. Here's the thing. It's weird being an Arab right now. America is so focused on race right now, but we don't fall on the big ones. Like, we're not black, and we're not really white. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll put it to you this way. After 9-11, we definitely weren't white. And now that it sucks to be white, we're kind of slipping back into it the hell, dude. Does Jab consider himself a person of color? I'm like, I get a choice now, dude? 9-11 9-11 I didn't get to pick remember you said you'd never forget what my people had done
0: okay so I mean Kate now that you've heard more of this you can sort of understand where he's going with this stuff right yeah
1: I mean it's crass some offensive stuff for sure uh some of it's pretty gross I can honestly I can see why this would get you get anybody in trouble really
0: yeah and the goal of WHYY during this hearing is to just point out that this is, like, really offensive stuff, really nasty language. If you listen to the hearing, you'll see that they act as though, like, these clips just speak for themselves. Like, of course, these dude, this dude should get fired. I mean, I take it you don't think – you're saying someone should get in trouble. What do, you, what do you mean by that?
1: Oh, I don't know that I think he should get in trouble, but I think it's kind of inevitable that he would.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: it depends on the jo- – I mean, it's so weird because it depends on the job. Like, let's say he's a teacher – doing this under his name or under like a slight, a slight pseudonym, but it's still it's his face. Like in posting clips online, like the teacher is for sure going to get fired for this. Right. Let's say it's a greeter at Walmart. I don't think this should have any bearing on a greeter at Walmart. Public radio, being a public radio producer is like sort of in between those two, I think.
0: Exactly. Between teacher and Walmart greeter.
1: Yeah. So, like it's a public job it's a public job it's a it's an organization that is super super concerned about its reputation in part because they get government funding and so there is this you also have to sign a code of conduct so there is this need and I think this is a legitimate one to maintain a certain uh air of neutrality to to I don't know to protect the brand
0: gravitas like more more than neutrality maybe um, well yeah so Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just like the instant firing for this just strikes me as so such an overreaction. I mean, do you have that impression?
1: Yeah, I'm like having worked at a public radio station, I am zero percent surprised.
0: Uh, That's interesting that you come at it from a different perspective, um, having worked in public radio. Because to me, like especially after I read the language of the con uh, the contract language, the collective bargaining agreement, it was just unclear to me how this would like possibly put you in the realm of automatically getting you fired. But
1: either way... There's nothing in the contract about you can't make pussy jokes. It doesn't explicitly
0: say that. (laughs) It does not list the word pussy. Um, But anyway, WHYY's approach here, and and they have like a real lawyer here, uh, is to make it clear, A, that these were offensive jokes, B, uh, that his bosses didn't know about it. And then they found out about it and that's how he got fired. So here's a clip of WHYY's lawyer, Thomas Servadidio, interviewing Sarah Glover, uh, that, that VP uh, who's one of the execs who fired Slayman.
3: During your investigation, um, did you speak with Mr. Slayman's direct supervisor, Mike and Scott? Yes. Uh, what's her role at the organization? She's an executive producer and host of The Pulse. And based on that, uh, interview of Miss Scott in the investigation was there any indication that she was aware of this type of content content of Mr. Slayman's um, stand-up comedy routines
4: she stated she was aware of him participating in comedic um, activity but not the specifics of the content in that she stated that she had not um,
3: viewed the content that that was used in in the determination of the um discharge was there based on your investigation was there anybody in management who was aware and had given approval for mr slayman to engage in this type of conduct in his stand-up comedy
0: routine no so, WHYY is trying to paint this portrait in which Slayman is, I keep calling him Slayman, Slayman is sort of sneaking around, posting offensive stuff without his employers having known about it. Um, that'll help them convince the judge this was like just willful negligence, that he was very sloppy, that he was sort of, you know, violating rules. So, that's WHYY's case. He posted these offensive clips, violated workplace guidelines, had no reason to think his bosses were cool with it. Uh, this is not a long hearing as far as like legal proceedings go. The audio is just under two and a half hours. Again, folks should listen to the whole thing. But in the second part of it, Jad Sleiman gets to present his side of the case, and that's when things get pretty spicy. Okay, so
1: he's representing himself. Why doesn't he have a lawyer doing this?
0: Yeah, I asked him about that. He, he said... Um, He shows up for this hearing, him and apparently his union, and maybe this is just them not being smart about it. They're expecting like a 30-minute pretty informal thing where it's just Slayman and then uh, someone from HR. Uh, The union wasn't expecting that sort of quote-unquote firepower was the word Slayman said they used, that like WHYY would show up with multiple attorneys. Uh, We hear one of the attorneys. There's another attorney there as well. So he just sort of shows up and suddenly is thrust into the role of like defending himself in a, in a more active, complicated way than you'd expect. And you can tell at various points, slayman doesn't really know what he's doing. Like oftentimes the judge has to correct him or explain procedural stuff to him. At one point he tries to make an argument based on the fact that like a lot of the folks in the comment section of a news article about a situation supported him, which like the judge doesn't buy because who cares? cares. Um, I can't blame the guy given the weird and unexpected position he was in, like facing down actual lawyers, but, but there are some Rocky moments, but Overall, it's actually kind of amazing. I was riveted by this audio because Slayman is able to make these suits of WHYY look super foolish. So first, there's a bit of a bombshell pertaining to that claim we just heard from WHYY that um, none of Slayman's bosses knew what was up.
5: The witness uh, brought up my direct supervisor, Miken, who is the host of the show, and said that uh, she was unaware of what I was posting. I wish she was here, but... Um, to 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 speak for herself, but I can tell you um, that she follows me on Instagram. She watches. I can see that she's watched all my stuff. Okay, uh, and
4: so you were able to view that uh, before January 23rd.
5: Yes, on Instagram, you can see who is like liking and watching your stories. My boss has followed me on Instagram for uh, basically as long as I've known her. So she was completely aware of what I was posting. So were um, other people on the team. Alan Yu, Liz Tong, Lindsay Lazarski. Um, I don't remember the two newer people I don't think followed me. But all of them, it was no secret that I did stand-up. They all knew, you know, they'd ask for tickets to shows and stuff like that. Um, and they demonstrably have, have seen uh, my act, they didn't have them. They just seen it, saw it as art, it's entertainment. Um, so that's
4: well, hold on one moment. So the uh, video recordings that were played today, um, were they recorded at live shows? Yes. All of them. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Um, all right. And you were aware at some point that your direct supervisor was viewing these videos, these particular ones, or yes. others, or?
5: Uh, yeah, all of them. We, it wasn't it wasn't something I was aware of was a problem. We would talk about it in meetings and if people know you can stand up, they're like, hey, why don't you do a joke about this? Why don't you do a joke about that? And on Instagram you can see who is watching your stuff. It's all recorded, so.
4: Right, but did, did you notice that or did you look for that with regard to your supervisor for the particular um, video recordings that were played today? Whether she, she? He?
5: She, my him, yeah. Uh, was uh,
4: watching through Instagram for those particular ones.
5: Uh, I don't know those particular ones. Um, I just know that um, she like she watches all my stories, so I'm sure she had seen those. If, I didn't know they were gonna say that she hadn't seen any of my videos, but there is probably a tech way where I can pull this up on Instagram. I just don't know how at the moment.
1: Okay, so I can see why he was totally surprised that he was fired. It
0: sounds like his
1: team knew about this and approved of it.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, it's at least tacit approval. If you keep posting something to social media and your boss keeps watching and liking it, at that point, your bosses can't really be like, well, this is inappropriate. It's at the very least confusing, especially especially with, when you compare it to those vague um social media guidelines and and you know, that just this is a vague area I think of rules within the company. Um, So that's like a pretty big moment that really changes things because it just shows that what WHYY was claiming just wasn't really true and seems like a pretty giant thing for them to have blundered into given that it's not hard to know that like you can see who watched and liked your stuff on Instagram. The most entertaining parts of this hearing by far come when Slayman just decides to like balls out, defend his jokes and it's clear he's really frustrated with the way WHYY and this lawyer, this Servadidio guy, from his view, they're just, they're just misinterpreting what he's saying and trying to paint it in as negative, uncharitable light as possible. He just thinks they're being dumb and hysterical and obviously dishonest. Let's start with uh, the word pussy, Katie. Here's Servadidio talking about the pussy transplant bit. In your mind,
3: it was okay to refer to women as pussies? I don't think I did that. You didn't do that at all? In any of your social justice, or, I'm sorry, in any of your videos that we played here today, that you heard today, you didn't refer to any women as pussies? I don't believe so. No. So is it your testimony that you've never referred to a woman as a pussy in any of your social media posts? Refer to a woman as a pussy? Yes. No? No. And by the way, you were here to hear the seven social media vignettes we played of your stand-up comedy, correct? Sure. I mean, I said the area. word pussy, but I didn't call a woman a pussy. That's a bizarre thing to call a woman. So, in your mind, it's okay to refer to a woman as a pussy, but not call a woman as a pussy? I did neither, sir. You, you can play the tape back if you're... Well, I'm you messing, Right now, I have a chance to ask you questions, sir. Sure. Is it your testimony that you never referred to a woman as a pussy in any of your social media posts? Yes, you're welcome to play them if you think I called a woman a pussy. And you would agree with me that referring to a woman as a pussy is inappropriate? Agreed? Um, I mean, if it's, yeah. If it's like your, it depends. If it's your friend, sure, you can go ahead. Can I'm asking there. you, is it okay to refer to a woman in a social media post as a pussy? Yes or no? It depends. So so it might be okay and it might be not okay. Is that your testimony? Depends. Yes. Context. Depends on context. Okay. And also, I did not call a single woman a pussy in any of those videos. Okay. Um, and in your mind, referring to a woman as a pussy is okay or not okay? Well, Again, okay,
4: Melvin. That's been asked an answer. He said he didn't use it in that context.
3: He ha- it actually hasn't been asked an answer. That's why I'm asking it. Is pussy referring to a woman's vagina? Is that what your understanding of the word is? Yes. And is it appropriate to be, do you feel, let me ask you this. Referring to a woman as a pussy, is that denigrating to
5: women? Again, I'm not sure what the relevance of this question is in that I didn't do that. You didn't do that at all in any of your social media posts, right? I used the word pussy instead of vagina because it's a comedy show, and using clinical terms would be strange.
3: Didn't you use the word vagina in that comedy st- skit too? Did yeah. You don't remember that either? You just listened to him just a few minutes ago. Do you remember using the w- referring to women with vaginas? You don't remember that? Did I refer to women having vaginas? Probably. Sure, sure. I guess was, yeah,
5: right. I'm Actually I'm pretty sure it's like I googled can you be born without a pussy?
3: Are you taking, are you objecting to the fact that I said that
4: John... We don't have a discussion, repeat the question. What was the last question? If you
3: refer to a woman as a pussy, do you agree with me that that would be wrong and a violation of the company's policies? The the objection, or strike back, he
4: already testified he didn't use the word to refer to a female person.
3: I'm asking a different question. Do you agree with me? Yeah, but
4: that calls for
1: speculation.
3: So, you're not going to allow
1: that know. question either? No. Oh man, this is funny. Nobody calls women pussies. <laughs> no. You call a man a pussy when he's acting like a pussy. <laughs> Yeah, like, who would call a man a woman a pussy? Never. This is only a term that is directed at podcasters and gamers.
0: Slavin just doesn't. I, 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 I was baffled listening to this. I was cracking up too, but he doesn't refer to women as pussies in his act. That doesn't really make sense. That's not no, the way the slur is used.
1: The um, judge is a real pervert for nuance here.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but yet, Servidio, the WHYY lawyer, um, who I will, I'm going to repeat this multiple times, is probably being paid hundreds of dollars an hour for an unemployment case involving like $500 a week. He is totally fixated on this idea. There's a lot more of this. We're not including just back and forth about him calling women pussies, which he never did. He called pussies pussies again. Yeah. (laughs) Again, W. H. Y. Y. Is like, it's sort of just a lie. Like, I don't know, man, they're paying a lawyer to lie about what he said. And I, I think the judge can see that anyone who listens to the clips will see that. So it's just, it's weird. It's not a good look. As the kids say, the lawyer didn't, he didn't read the room. (laughs) Uh, Okay, things get really heated when we get to the time, uh, the R word, that anti-Muslim, anti-Arab slur. Things get a little bit heated there.
3: Now, in one of the video vignettes we played, you referred to, use used the term raghead. Remember that? I prefer you didn't say that. Why? Is it a slur? Yes. Is it a slur
4: against Arabs? Hang on. The question is, is, did you use that term in the video that was played.
5: Yeah, I prefer.
4: Yes, yes or no to that one?
5: Yes. I mean, the recording
4: speaks for itself, but Why? that's a yes, right?
5: I'm uncomfortable with the white guy saying raghead. Is that okay?
4: Well, people are yeah. it getting cross-examination if it was part of the evidence.
3: Sir, did you use the term raghead in the video vignette we just played and got put into evidence? Yeah. And is that a slur? Yeah, when you enjoy saying it correctly. Is it a slur? Yes. And what does it mean? How is it a slur? Well, it's something uh, white people use to call me uh, uh, a b- barbaric or uncivilized. And When you say me, what do you mean by me? Is it based I'm an Arab on race or a nationality, sir? I'm not a dude. That may be somebody else.
4: Okay. Uh, so, your understanding of the term is denigrating to who besides you personally?
5: Arabs.
3: With which I am an Arab. Is it? And that's a term that you used in the social media post that we just played into evidence today. Correct? It. Yeah.
1: Okay, he's sort of losing me here. He's acting, like, very offended that this guy quoted him in a, in a like, use-mentioned distinction here.
0: Well, but I don't know. I sympathize with him because, like, he, he— WHYY's lawyer is saying— is seeming to say that it's wrong for an Arab guy to use a slur, anti-Arab slur, in the context of a joke. I mean— of, Sure, that's ridiculous, but he's also getting offended that the guy
1: even said the word— yeah. Like he doesn't say like he, he he didn't call Jad a raghead, he just said the word raghead. It, to me that it seems I don't know, that seems like a little bit he seems like he's acting like a pussy. <laughs> it seems performative. <laughs> you can't say that white man. Right. And, well, and it is really funny that the lawyer's like, Don't call me
0: dude <laughs> while they're arguing about <laughs> that's the, the term raghead. Don't use the D word, not the yeah. D slur. Uh, I, I don't
1: know. It's just like, if you're going to be a, like a, an offensive comic, you can't get offended when somebody quotes you in a non-offensive context.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, But Servadidio appears, I don't know, Like, I guess this is at WHYY's direction. He seems super sensitive about bad words. He gets equally hung up on some other urban American vernacular. Such as? Take a listen.
3: And when you were referring to eating pussy of homegirl, you're talking about oral sex with a friend. yeah that what you're saying? Oral sex. And and that in your mind is appropriate in your role as a reporter at WHYY, correct? Yeah, it's on episode. Have you listened to This American Life? you, answer, you don't get to ask me questions. I'm here to ask you yeah, just, just questions. Just
4: answer now. the question asked.
3: First of all, actually, I didn't say it
5: as my role as a WHYY reporter. I said it on stage as Jad S, who nobody even, I made no connection to where I work because I think it would be hacky to connect myself to a media organization for like clout or whatever. But yeah, I think it's fine to talk about eating pussy. I'm 33 years old. We know about
3: sex, right? And and so in your mind, talking about eating pussy does not undermine you in your role as a reporter at WHYY, right? Reporters have sex. Sir, yes yes or no? Can you just respond to the question? It's okay for you to do that as a reporter, correct? I never did it as a reporter. I'm asking you, you're a reporter, is that right, at WHYY, and in your mind, it's okay to have stand-up comedy where you talk about eating pussy, is that correct?
5: I think that's perfectly fine. Sex is healthy.
3: I believe in generous love, dude. Sir, I'd ask you to refrain from calling me dude because that's not I
4: yeah, name. Don't make any comments other than answering the
0: question. Yeah, I'm curious whether this is the most this lawyer has ever talked about eating pussy at work. And I got to say, it might be we, it sounds like we disagree on a little bit of this, but I just feel like this lawyer is shitty at his job. He's making hundreds of dollars an hour, I'm, I'm sure, working for WHYY to make sure one of this The reporters doesn't collect unemployment, but he seems like a little bit hung up on like, oh, these words are offensive or just just being really prudish, which I don't think really bears on the questions here.
1: No, I I agree with you there. And I don't think like I don't think this hearing should happen in in the first place. The other thing about unemployment that people might not realize the system, I'm not totally sure how the system works in Pennsylvania, but. I've gotten unemployment in three states, none of which are Pennsylvania. And it's not like if you're getting five hundred dollars a week from your employ from your unemployment insurance, that's that doesn't mean that your employer is paying you five hundred dollars a week. It's unemployment insurance. It's paid for through through payroll taxes.
0: Yeah, I just it's just so weird to me that WHYY is fighting this so hard. I don't understand the upside.
1: Well, the reason that employers fight unemployment claims is because it's it's like an it's like any sort of insurance. When you file a claim, your rate goes up.
0: Um. Yeah, I just don't quite get why they're fighting this the way they are.
1: Well, it's surely whatever they pay the lawyer is surely more than <laughs> than than what he would be getting.
0: I I gotta say, like I just I found this ugly. I'm I'm obviously not a fan of like the full like intersectional math thing where you base who's winning who's losing just on like skin color but you do have this like ugly seeming situation where a lawyer representing these higher level execs is berating a guy who made sixty thousand dollars a year he says uh early in the hearing just berating him telling how offensive it is that he made these jokes that are they're about injustice like it's it's edgy it's a, a you know obscene but like Let's just do one more exchange that I think really demonstrated this, because this is about the, uh, the Asian manpower joke. Remember, Jad Slayman is on stage playing audio of him calling a company that advertises that it can provide Asian manpower services. Here's how the Servadidio guy uh, responds to that and confronts Jad over it.
3: You're, the social media posts that we saw, weren't you also denigate, denigrating Filipinos as compared to Japanese? No. In the Asian manpower piece, you weren't doing that either? No. I was
5: lambasting a human trafficking ring that provides undocumented Asian workers specifically so that they can be exploited in warehouses. And that joke is pointing out the absurdity of providing workers by race. And that is one race more expensive than the other? And I'll have you know, a Filipino woman was in the crowd and quoted in my defense in the Inquirer story. May Kasem, a good friend of mine, skilled Filipina Comedian,
3: uh, that's question. This is outside the scope of right It's a very simple question, sir. Let me try it again. Yeah, go for it. Move to strike. The last answer is non-responsive. Here's the question. In your mind, you were standing up for the Filipinos in the Asian manpower skit. Is that right? Yes, and that position was confirmed when my undocumented friend thanked me for that video. And Thank thanked you for the video for referring to Filipinos as less than Japanese. Is that right, sir? Is that your testimony? No, he
5: thanked me because he viewed it with an ounce of intellectual honesty and understood that I was making fun of people who exploit desperate people in our community that WHYY has made no effort to
3: cover. Thank I have you. their phone number.
0: Okay, I you.
3: want to be clear about
0: so, yeah, again, like there's this weird thing going on where Jad Slayman, Muslim guy from an immigrant background, is getting grilled by a white lawyer representing a company dominated by white management over jokes that are, are social satire. Um, to me, like, th- this, there's this last little brief, I think, rousing speech Jad gives that I think sums it up, and we can conclude with that.
5: My content is not hateful at all. This is very difficult to argue art because it's subjective, but I can tell you some basic facts. <laughs> I started in the black scene in Philadelphia. Comedy John, North Philadelphia. I'm mostly booked by black comics, by immigrant comics. A trans comic wants to start a show with me. Most of actually a sizable portion of my followers, most of them I think are some sort of racial minority or gender diverse diverse people. These videos that, that WHOI has shown you, they all have a crowd of people laughing and what I think people who are not in comedy don't understand is well-known famous comedians can say offensive, horrible stuff and get huge laughs, but that's because they've cultivated an audience. They have people that want that. Nobody knows who I am. Whenever I perform, I'm performing for complete strangers. They're a random cross-section of drinking age Philadelphia. And they laugh. They come from all races, all genders.
1: Yeah, I don't know about WHYY in particular, but people in public radio tend to talk a lot about diversity. And here you have a guy who truly does bring real diversity to the system, and not because of his skin color, but because of his life experiences. I mean, how many vets are there in public radio? And even in his comedy, Jad is espousing many of the values public radio claims to hold. Like, these jokes really are about injustice at heart, but the way he talks about it makes management uncomfortable or afraid of backlash.
0: There's the matter of the norms of upper-middle-class liberal institutions like public radio. They have very specific, very idiosyncratic And often, like pretty unpopular views on what you're allowed to say when it comes to race and identity. Um, And I feel like we've seen on this show again and again that they're really willing to, these institutions are willing to really punish folks who cross the wrong lines. And of course, the whole intersectional math breaks down when you realize the people most likely to hold these censorious views are privileged white liberals. They're not. They're not children of Lebanese immigrants. I'm overgeneralizing a little bit. I, I think that's true. And I think this case nicely dem- demonstrates all that.
1: I think you're right about that. But that's why I think him putting this online and not expecting to get punished at work, that's why I think it was naive. Because he is operating an environment where the norms yeah. are very different. It's a state environment. It's an environment that is that does have one like proscribed way of talking about race and gender and identity. And he went so far beyond that. In a way that, of course, is protected speech, but it still violates the norms of the environment in which he was he was working.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: So I just my point, like, I don't want it to sound like I think he should have been fired. I don't think he should have been fired. And I think that what he was doing was actually interesting social commentary in a lot of ways. But I also just think that, like, how could he not have known that this was going to cause uh, cause problems? Like he works in fucking public radio. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay so if, if i can if i can inhabit the role of Servadidio for a minute you're saying all muslim public radio employees should be fired if they ever express themselves in any way
1: well as a muslim yes
0: <laughs> um gotcha okay no i mean i think that's fair i just um uh, i found it wild to listen to this to hear like WHYY why forced to defend it it just doing such a Crazy poor job at such expense. I should say that um I, I did ask Jad like why he thought they were fighting this way they did. I, I think your thing about rates is actually true. He said that he just thinks it's like almost like religious style fury. Like they're so some people in the organization are so pissed off they found out about this. It's just an attempt to punish him that mm-hmm. that veers over into extremism a little bit.
1: Um, Jesse, well, I assume you uh, reached out to W H Y Y. Did they have any comment?
0: Yeah, we reached out, made contact with a spokesperson. He said we could send some questions. We sent a few questions, or, or more just summaries of what we're going to be talking about, and then they respectfully declined to comment. I just,
1: I think he could have done this in a way that just like he should have been more self protective. Like not putting the clips like continuing to do the comedy, not putting those clips online, which is of course hard to do if you're trying to grow your brand as a comic or like obscuring his face.
0: I mean, it's at least a coherent answer to be like you maybe you can't do both these things. maybe you can't be a public radio reporter and I don't I don't agree with that, but that's at least reasonable.
1: Much like he says it is not right that American women are, are treated like sex objects. It's just the way that it is. It is also just the way that it is that if you like do edgy humor and post it online and you work in public radio, you're probably going to get some blowback. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, so what was the end result here? Who won? Uh, Jad won. Good. He sent me the document with the decision. It was like pretty I – mean, I haven't read a lot of these, but the judge was basically just like, you know, there's no evidence this involved his job duties. There's no evidence like the public could have easily identified him. Um, She pointed out that there was no warning at all. Uh, I I like this part. Although the employer's rules regarding outside conduct are quite broad, even considering the content of his act to come within those rules, the obvious theme of his performances in this record was social unfairness and hypocrisy rather than discrimination. She gets it. They were controversial... Right. They were controversial and contained terms certain persons could find offensive, either due to explicit sexual or racial ethnic nature used for, quote, a cheap laugh, end quote. In context, however, the content was not inconsistent with that of other adult comedians and would not be unfamiliar to the mildly sophisticated listener. (laughs) Ouch. Uh, So, yeah. Um, it seems like he won. There's apparently another appeal. They're still trying to cut it off. So it's not over. But, you know, he'll find out about that. And then there is a chance the union will be successful in getting him his job back um, and or getting him some of his back pay. But this has obviously been quite a journey for him. And his life is very different from how it was before he was fired.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do feel for the guy. Has he found other work?
0: Um, I, I don't have a sense of exactly, like, I don't think he has a plan yet. I think he's still trying to figure out what to do. He's like, he's still doing comic comedy. He's like actually in New York now, but I think he's been in a little bit of a limbo. Um, so it's, uh yeah, quite a look at sort of how the sausage is made in terms of the decisions higher ups make at a place like WHYY.
1: Well, I'm glad the union defended him. We've seen other cases when media unions do not uh, stand yeah. up for people's right to
0: speak. I'm still confused what happened at that hearing. How, like, it, I guess it worked out, but how he came to be representing himself and right. like going against multiple lawyers. But I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that.
1: That does seem like a, a union's job. Yeah. Uh,
0: any other questions or comments or concerns about this, Katie?
1: No, I think I need to wash my ears out from too many times hearing a lawyer
0: say the word "pussy." Very offensive. Um, this has been Blocked or Reported. As always, we're produced with help from Tracing Woodgrains and the Mysterious Lex. Thanks to them both. I'm Jesse Single, and remember, I'm not calling all podcasters whores. I'm just saying this podcast is a literal whorehouse.
1: And I'm Katie Herzog. And also remember, if you want to be an edgy comic and work in public radio, you got to protect yourself. Do it at Drag Queen Story Hour.